Hey, y'all, this is Ashley, also known as Bored Becky, and you're listening to Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. This is OSF, and I'm getting wrecked with Travi. And I'm like, Travi, come on now, like you, you got this under control. Yo, what's up? It's G-Love, and I'm fired up with Travi. This is Danielle Petty, co-founder of the 90s Babes, and you're listening to Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. What's up? It's your Web3 bestie, Liz Morrison, and I'm Toy Encendida en la cadena de bloques con Travi. What up, y'all? This is Sammy Ariaga. I'm fired up on the blockchain with Travi. I'm Ray Isla, and I'm fired up on the blockchain with Travi. What's up, world? It's Spotty Wi-Fi, the king of the crypto punks, and you are now tuned in to Fired Up on the Blockchain with my guy, Travi. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and DGens, for the thousands in attendance and the millions listening in podcast land, my name is Travi, and we are Fired Up on the Blockchain. Hey, Travi, let's effing go. Welcome back to Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. This is Travi at Mr. Travis, though, on the old Twitters. And I want to let you guys know we are officially closer to episode 100 than we are to episode one. So thank you so much for making this a possibility, a realistic possibility. And I do have a couple of things I do want to share with you if you have not seen any of the announcements uh, that have been going on in certain discords and Twitter and those kind of things. Um, first of all, we are just at the very end of the journey NFT. And I want to tell you, if you are a holder of the journey, you are going to now finally see uh, some of the roadmap. We were uh, holding back on that because we wanted to make sure that we rewarded the people who had faith uh, and didn't want to cause um, kind of like one of those hype uh, mints. So the people who uh, get grandfathered in, um, they're going to be the ones to see uh, at least some of what we have in store with the roadmap. And we've got some really great things planned, uh, as you know, too, with the grant funds uh, and also the artist support funds. So we're very, very excited about that. Also on the personal level, very happy to announce that I am officially an advisor for the crypto chicks. You guys know Probably probably if you listened all the way back to the pilot episode or some of the older NFT 365 with Fanzo from uh, from the June, uh, I think one of the June episodes, I, I talked about crypto chicks as just something that really helped me uh, get into the collector side of Web3. A big part of that is because I have two daughters. So the female PFPs were uh, one of the reasons why I started to actually do some of those collecting. So it's really great now that you know, Becky is the brand manager. Uh, Bob is the owner. Uh, if you follow Bob, I am OX Bob. And uh, Nikki Sparks is an advisor along with me. And they still have some of the awesome mods in the Discord. So there's a lot of things that uh, we as a team have talked about doing with Crypto Chicks. And I think it's really exciting, um, though it has been a roller coaster. And a lot of you will hear eventually when we do have the team on a podcast, we'll chat all about the history. Um, and that's a story that really needs to be told. They've really overcome a lot. And, um, you know, kind of like the third or fourth iteration of a leadership team. So 
I'm very, very bullish on Becky and Nikki already. We were served on a council together, and now we'll be working alongside Bob. And also just announced, I have been named to be an advisor along with Nathan of the Avril 15 team and Leah, today's guest from the Power of Women. Uh, We are all going to be advising the Disco Studios, which is actually where the journey is housed. It's within their Discord. And I was already taken aback when I saw that uh, Ghosty and the team asked me and our brand to go into their Discord. But I think that the relationship building and the trust that I myself have uh, with a lot of these people in the space who I have so much love and respect for um, is really doing some good things for Web3. And as we've seen, things are a little tricky right now in Web3 and the marketplaces and those kind of things. So let's try to keep the love spreading. Let's support the good artists out there. And let's get into today's quick NFT uterine session. Hey, 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 it's time for school. All right, it's time for school. And this is not something I generally do talk about, but it is something that's going on and it has to do with the marketplace wars. I do have to touch on it because it's affecting the entire NFT market. A lot of people are very down about what's going on in the space. But, um, If you're a trader and you are um, a flipper, especially if it is your profession or job now to do that, then uh, you're probably not really upset about what's going on. So here's the deal. So Blur is a uh, marketplace that came out and um, on Valentine's Day, they rewarded users with uh, their token airdrop. Now, the token airdrop was, you know, uh, claimable. And then they were able to, of course, parlay that into uh, getting rewards. And a lot of people bought NFTs using that. And in a market that doesn't have a lot of liquidity right now, there's not a lot of money coming in from people's Coinbase accounts and that kind of stuff. This actually did not only reward a lot of people, but they were uh, very, very excited to uh, take some of the earnings and do a lot with it. In fact, Blur overtook OpenSea uh, in market share, uh, 45% compared to OpenSea's 43%. This is coming off Forbes, by the way. That's where I'm getting this info from. Um, And the trading volume on Blur at the time that this was written uh, is 85% compared to OpenSea having only 10%. So it, it makes sense for Blur to do what they're doing to get the things that they want to get from the people that they're getting it from. But some of the folks not getting anything in a lot of these marketplace wars are, of course, the creators, the artists, and musicians. What does that mean? That means that some of these marketplaces, like OpenSea has now just recently done, have made it optional for you to give uh, the creator royalties back to the creator. That does not mean that it will be optional for you to still pay the marketplace fee. So for a limited time, OpenSea is getting rid of their marketplace fee, but very similar to the way that your cable bill has a limited time offer, they are going to pump it back in. What they are not going to do is pump back in the required fees for the artists and the creators. Think of that however you want to think of that. I My personal feeling is that I think um, this is not good for a lot of NFT teams. I think a lot of NFT teams are not going to be able to pay certain employees anymore. So it's going to be, I don't know if the word is interesting, but it's definitely going to be something uh, to see what happens with some of the NFT teams that were paying their mods or the rest of their team members with secondary royalties. I also think that it's not great for the artists in the space. I think that one of the things that made Web3 great were that the artists who created the art or the music were able to sell 
uh, and get royalties every time it changed hands. I think that there was something really intriguing about that, especially when we've seen artists not get paid um, in, you know, especially music platforms or not get paid very well. So there's a, there's a lot to this conversation, but here's what I can tell you. There's been a lot of blur tokens claimed. A lot of things have been uh, flipping and flopping over there. A lot of people are trading away um, and then they're buying back. So I don't know. I this in the, in the short term is not good. Uh, for the long term, I think it's going to make other marketplaces have to pop up because um, it's okay to have competition in the world, especially you know in, in some of these like trading platforms. But to to really look at something like Blur and make the art or the utility or the community or any of those things that we always talk about um, take a backseat to like the sheer stats and volume in trading. Yeah, that's that's great if you're a trader. That's great if that's what you're doing. But to be honest, you're probably not one of the people listening to this podcast. Um, more power to you if that is absolutely what you can do. Um, it's a it's it's a hard game out there to do every day. So I have a lot of respect for all the different ways that people go about doing things in Web three. But I do like to see the artists. I do like to see the musicians get paid. So on that note, let's get into it. Speaking of artists, with one of my favorite. The one and only Leah Sams and the power of women. Let's get into it. Today on Fired Up on the Blockchain, it's all about having the power. That's right. We're joined by Leah from Power of Women. It's all about the great art in the NFT space, but also the fine art space. And somebody that I would love for you to all get to know. I know a lot of people out there are holders of the Power Pass or the Blazing Women Collection. Uh, the Journey Artist Support Fund was able to pick up a couple of those as well. And we are just so honored that, Leah, that you are here with us. We are incredibly excited to hear your story. We're here to talk about the power of women, the Blazing Women. We're here to talk about how you and I met at NFT London and followed you around like a puppy dog. I'm just kidding. Or, or am I? But yeah, Leah, thank you so much for being here and fired up on the blockchain with Travi. How are you today? Yeah, good, thanks. And thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. <laughs> so good to be here. Awesome. Well, I've actually mentioned you a few times on my podcast here, even just recently uh, when we had the Secret Artist Project on. And I think a big part of that is because you meet a lot of people in the Web3 space. And sometimes you're part of the same community or you collect the same art or whatever the things are. But occasionally you make a connection with somebody that goes a little bit deeper. And with you meeting you in person at NFT London, I think that there was an impact that you made on me. I'm sure very similarly to how you've made on a lot of other people in the space, artists, creators, things like that, that, you know, I think ever since then, it really helped flick a, a switch for me. And it really helped me look at you know, the NFT space, the art space, the Web3 space in a different way than, than I even had before. Because you did say a few things to me that if you and I hadn't met, I don't know that, you know, I would have pushed that button and minted the journey. And I, I think, you know, maybe being around our friends, the Avril team and Kate Phillipson and a lot of the other great artists, I think there was just an element of just just really just all coming together and having great minds really just like power my final decision to say, let's launch this journey. Because you actually said to me, what's the best thing that could happen if you launch the journey NFT? And then you said, what's the worst thing that can happen if you don't? And I said, well, if I don't launch it, then these kids are not going to get the grant funds that we're trying to raise for them. And you said, boom, that's it. That's your why. That's why you have to do it. 
So before we get into the whole discussion, I just want to personally thank you. I don't know if you realize how much of an impact you've had on me and so many others in the space. And of course, it's an honor to now be an advisor with you for the Disco Studios. But above all else, thank you. Well, <laughs> well, thank you so much. I mean, I that I think that moment for me was quite special as well because um, we didn't know each other really well, did we? And and um, and I think we were both quite like knackered from the like enormity of NFT London. I think we were both quite like openly, you know, vulnerable. And um, I just when I, you know, you you were talking about what you were doing, and you were so like not you know you were so vulnerable about it and I just thought you know what like I've been there before and you know this space is brutal like it is brutal it's full of people trying to make their way and I was just like there is you know why are we you know not being confident about what we're doing we need to be confident about what we're doing and we just need to be like yeah I I think it was what I needed to hear as well because I think I've heard so many people say that to me but it's it's true though, isn't it? It's like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? I think that's why loads of people do what they do, right? Because <laughs> they're like, well, why not? <laughs> yeah, maybe I was being vulnerable. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it was just a little hungover. <laughs> uh, NFT London does have a lot of events that go late into the night. So no, I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. Everybody was very well behaved. Nobody drank anything. <laughs> <laughs> the entire time. No, but for real, like before we even get into your project and all that stuff, I think it's really valuable for people to get to know us as people, as real life people. Because buying into an NFT brand or supporting an NFT brand is also supporting the founder and the team, as we know, or, you know, even the advisory team, which is pretty much you know, very similar to how I look at the journey. But I think with you being somebody who's also the artist is really intriguing. But, you know, specifically about you, one thing that I was enamored with was you know, not even just you or just your art, but it was also seeing you on stage there on multiple panels and you clearly garnered a respect from the web3 community along with the nft nyc slash nft london crew i have heard you on the hug.xyz spaces which by the way the journey is also on the hug.xyz so we're fam there too but it certainly has been great to see the respect that you've been getting a lot of the respect the power of women have been getting especially not not just from collectors i'm, I'm talking about other great artists in the NFT space. I mean, obviously, we just mentioned that Disco Studios now has you as an advisor, but I know a lot of people have been knocking down your door to, to really help them out being an advisor as well. But you've been able to you know, garner people's interests, gather communities, not just collectors. You've been able to gather the one-of-one one artists together. Like People are just really all about supporting you and Jack and the power of women. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is, you know, not every NFT founder is the same. Not every NFT is the same. Not every team out there is the same. But you've been able to garner an element of respect from a lot of people throughout the Web3 space. How does that feel? How is it? How does it feel as somebody who's been able to continue to work, stay true to your craft, stay true to your passions, and you know, see the success that you and Jack and the power of women have have been able to see? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's really lovely of you to say, and I, 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 I've heard it before from from other people, and it's it's a really sort of humbling experience. I think for me, power of women is me, and I think that's really easy. I think being an artist and the founder of Power of Women is easier to be authentic than it is for someone trying to um, have a business that just so happens to be Web three. They need to um, sort of like 
they need to reassure that their their community that they're authentic. Whereas, you know, I just I'm trying to create good art. I'm trying to tell stories, and that's it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, if you want to join me, you can join me. If you don't, then there's other places for you to go. But this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to be really loud about it. Um, and I think the fact that I you know, I'm staying true to those stories. I'm staying, staying, staying true to the morals and the ethics that I sort of stand by. I think people respect that. And I think that's why, you know, is my community the largest? No. Is it the busiest? Maybe not. But people know what they're getting when they get, (laughs) when they're coming to Power of Women. Um, It is authentic artworks and it is empowering artworks. Um, And, you know, me standing up on these nft panels is it about telling stories you know it's about telling my story but really um i'm here because i've just had the pleasure of you know being able to listen to other people's stories and being able to amplify them through the power of women platform but you know i don't know i power of women is this is who I am I'm just like I'm just not being apologetic about who I am (laughs) that's what I do on stage um I'm just really lucky that I'm really um I can pretend to be very confident on stage and I can just say like yes this is what I do when in reality you know when you look behind the scenes and this is why I love to do podcasts I love to be in spaces because I pretend to be this sort of really confident person and you know, and I am this confident person because I feel like the stories I'm trying to tell, you know, deserve that confidence, deserve a someone who shouts about it. But in reality, I'm so <laughs> vulnerable. I'm so insecure. Like day to day, I always, you know, I have to turn around to Jack, who is my husband and the co-founder of Power of Women. And I go, is this any good? Like, is this, what am I, like, what are we doing? <laughs> is this good? Um, you know, are we doing the right thing? is this good enough? Like, these are the constant questions. And I think as a founder of any company, um, regardless of whether you are a multi-billion dollar company or a self-made business, um, like running a business is just ticking off lists, right? You create a list and you just tick it off. And none of that feels monumental. It just feels like you're doing your job. And being power of women or running power of women just feels like I'm doing a job, but the other thing is the fact that like behind this, there's a social responsibility, I feel, with Power of Women of, you know, having to carry these stories and making sure that you do them, you do your community that service. So I don't know. I feel like um, I feel, uh, you know, if people respect me, then that's great. Then they, that means that they respect these stories that I'm trying to tell. Um but, you know, day to day, it feels like <laughs> um, I'm just r- trying to do my best running Power of Women, whether it becomes, you know, you know, absolutely like this massive thing, then great. If it doesn't, I'm still going to be plugging this. I'm still going to be shouting about stories, regardless of whether there is a you know, one person listening to me or loads of people listening to me. So I don't know. It's one of these funny things where, you know, in Web3, especially where the people that you are engaging with are these PFPs that sort of live on the ether um, and you're living your life day to day in my flat (laughs) running this like business. um, It, you know, sometimes you suddenly realize, wow, this is freaking monumental. And then sometimes you're like, it's just my job. I'm just going to do the best that I can. So it just, it, it, it's funny. It's 
so weird. So, so weird. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I totally, totally hear that. I mean, especially when you look and there's people out there who, you know, aren't fully in and looking on the, from the outside in, like what is going on in there in the NFT space? Like what's up with all these monkey pictures or they're reading like the weird stuff going on in the news. We lovingly refer to you all as normies. <laughs> it's, it's not a bad thing though. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. It just means you're, you're not fully in yet. Muggles. Yes, yes. <laughs> muggles, muggles, exactly. But they're, they're seeing things and they're asking questions and it does remind you how early you are sometimes. But then you look around and you're like, wait, all those random NFTs that might have no utility whatsoever are worth, or should I say perceived to be worth, you know, X amount. And you're just like, did I miss something? Did I miss the boat on this one? Like, what is going on here? But then in your real world, nobody knows what the heck you're talking about. So then you are reminded that you're early. Anyway, all this is to say, the whole thing is just a strange juxtaposition. Because I wake up every day thinking, okay, where, what do I want my holders for the journey to be able to have in six months, in six years. And, and you're just, you're looking around it. It really is just like, and I know you're very much like this too, where you want the people who are in your community to feel like there's some value going back to them. But I do have to say this, that when I met you at NFT London and same for Maddie Lieber, who has been advising me for quite some time, it's, it's very much stay true to your why, stay true to the reason why you started this entire NFT journey. And that should remain to be your driving force behind everything that you do. Because I've said this before, because no matter what, your why is going to show its face one way or another. So if you're in here to make an impact like we want to do with our grant funds, fine. If you're in here to make an impact with your art, cool. If you're in here to be a flipper, then you're definitely looking at what's going on with Blur and what's going on with the OpenSea fees. So there's a lot of different reasons for a lot of different people to be doing their the things that they're doing in Web3. But as you said, as a founder, you do have to look at it as a business for the long haul. And so before we go back in time, um, big shout out to you, your team, and Ghosty for one yes. of the smoothest <laughs> mints that Blazing Women Mint was one of the smoothest mints I think I've been a part of. We've all seen mints that you sometimes you get stuck in a loop or you, the MetaMask doesn't open up in the thing and uh, sometimes the, your wallet can't attach and you're just like sitting there like getting scared like do I even mint this thing but you know yours even the landing page itself was smooth I don't know I think that's the only word I can use really for for your whole mint is uh, smooth so big shout out to you Ghosty and uh, everyone at Disco Studios for um you know for all the things that you know made your mint so easy and. Last thing I will say is, is when the art reveal did, you know, did turn up, I was like, wow, not only is this beautiful, but the amount of layers, like the amount of a actual layers within the art, I was just like blown away. I can't imagine how long that must have taken. So how did we get here? How did we get to Blazing Women? How did we get through the power of women? How long did this take you? Because it clearly paid off. You've clearly been working on this for quite some time. Well, I mean, yes, I think a whole lot of respect goes to Ghosty for making that happen. And, you know, um, I will talk a little bit more about it. But, you know, we we actually got him on board only a few weeks before we launched, which was like, you know, not what was planned at all. But, you know, in terms of, you know, Blazing Woman, um, Blazing Woman has been in the works since we first applied to Hug. And we first applied to Hug last year in like, April, <laughs> March, April. And, you know, we had this idea. And, you know, just to give a bit of context, we were in the midst of a bull market and people were saying to us, you know, this is the time to do something big. And Jack and I, well, you know, we were like, well, you know, we could drop something now. But what makes us different from any of the cash grabs 
that are out there. What is, you know, what are we doing? Why are we here? Like if we just release something just for the sake of making money, then that's not what Power of Women is all about. And so for us, it was like, well, okay, if we are going to do a generative project, why are we doing it? A, because loads of people saying they couldn't afford our artworks, they needed something more accessible. Great, generative projects are the best way to go about that. But for me at this point, I had already done the Royals, which won um, the Diversity Award at NFT NYC. I'd done all the artwork for that. And I was just like, okay, well, that took representation to a new level. The likes of NFT NYC took, like, saw that, recognized that. And I was like, well, how do we take it to the next level? Which is why we created Blazing Women. And we first got in touch with um, Gabe, who is the dev for Meta Angels, who did some really interesting stuff with the loaning contract. And we thought that's a guy who could teach us or, you know, be able to do something different in the space. So we were like, okay, we want to do a collection that's different, something to do, you know, taking representation to the next level. Um, And we didn't know what we were going to do. So (laughs) we said we want to do something cool, something different. Um, We want to push the boundaries between art and technology, like, um, and actually have a conversation between those two parts because my work with the Royals, I actually didn't even get, like, had no contact with the dev at all. And I thought, you know, this is, this is an industry where tech and art collide, like, shouldn't we be talking to each other? Um, and so we basically created this idea of the power pass being the key to the blazing women evolution. But then we were like, well, if we were to really release this, these keys, like they need to come with something else. Um, at that time, we were seeing loads of rug pulls. We were like, well, OK, this is your access behind the scenes. And behind the scenes for us felt really good because, A, we were both behind the scenes in theatre in our previous lives <laughs> before Web3. Um, so that felt like a nod to our history. But also behind the scenes may was like access to everything that we did. Like nothing is a secret in terms of what we do at Power of Women. And that just seemed like the most true, authentic Web3 experience of being able to learn from each other, being able to purchase a a token to access us as people, but also access everything that we know, everything that we've learned from each other and really have this vibe of putting everything together. But also, you know, It is altruistic in that way, but, you know, also it was a way for us to engage people, you know, engage our community while we were building Blazing Women, get them excited organically through the process of like, you know, us sharing information, them taking in any information that they wanted from us. But also, you know, that we created like the Power Squad, which was like a community of Power Pass holders who basically are like our focus group. We ask them questions, things like, and they're like our... (laughs) advisors. <laughs> so it was just like, you know, and people want to get involved, you know, want to be part of the community. They want to know that they made an impact. And so it was just like the power pass became so much more than we want, like we thought it was going to be. And it was just really, really incredible. The power pass enabled us to mint Blazing Women sort of at a reduced price, but also it's the only key to evolve. So what we've done, this, you know, releasing um, Blazing Woman is just the first stepping stone. So if within the next few months, basically, you'll be able to evolve your Blazing Woman. And when I talk about, you know, taking representation to the next level, this is what I'm talking about. It's like, 
you know, if you were a mum and you wanted your blazing woman or your PFP to reflect you better, how like powerful is it if your artwork were to become a mum just like you? Or if you were queer, for your PFP to represent you better as a queer person? Or if you, um, I don't know, changed body shape? That, that, you know, that if you were a, a larger lady, that your PFP could represent you better. And it was just this sort of idea that, you know, we're using technology to be able to enhance your experience appreciating art, but also to have art represent a woman's story better. And so that was why Blazing Woman was created. Um, a few weeks to launching Blazing Woman, um, uh, we weren't able to use Gabe. Um, he helped us launch the Power Pass so smoothly, but he wasn't available because he is an incredibly busy guy. Um, but we, you know, we knew of Ghosty because Ghosty did such an incredible job on Crazy Sexy Axes, which um, was uh, him and Marlene or Studio Arida. Um, and we were just like, that's the guy. That's the guy we need. Um, we were like, so are you available? And are you interested? And he was just like, yeah, I can do this. Um, and you know, I'm just so, so grateful to have worked with him because, you know, it's one thing, you know, I did the mock-up for the site, but it's really that smooth experience is all him. It's, you know, he really understands the sort of user experience. You know, you, as you said, you want people to feel like, you know, it is easy to buy art. It is easy to mint something and you want to do it knowing that your money is not going to <laughs> go someplace that you're never going to see it again. So, you know, that is, you know, I will always say smooth <laughs> to the ghosty. I think that's a bit of a drinking game <laughs> with him. Um, but I will always call him a smooth, smooth dev because he just gets it. And, you know, yeah, the user experience is everything, isn't it? The user experience is so important in this world where so many things are looked at and many times are actually a scam. So it's good to have really good people on your side, especially when people are clicking on things and connecting their wallets. And, you know, if anyone knows some of what Ghosty's done and, and all that, I mean, it's very reliable. So that's really great. And again, I've talked about it a lot. If, if you pop into the Disco Studios Discord, you get to know Ghosty. And uh, obviously the journey is housed in there. And, you know, Leah and I are now advising along with Avril to, you know, see who else is going to be joining the Disco Studios family. And when I look at these one-of-one -one artists, Leah, I mean, I, I don't think that, you know, my eyes were open to the one-of-one -one art scene, especially like a year ago this time. Uh, and some of the people that I've absolutely grown to love as artists, I now call friends. <laughs> we're now like family in this Disco Studios world together. So it's really humbling for me, but it's really great that we're all able to move forward in this world, you know, working together and building together that way. But anyway, yeah, we all love what the Power of Women's up to. Almost everybody I know has a Power Pass. I'll be at like an NFT event. And some guy will just be dancing there with his like hoodie on uh, and he'll be like, yeah, I have a Power Pass. Now all I need is one of those bomber jackets. <laughs> yes, the bomber jackets need to happen. Oh my gosh. Um, I, yeah, the prototype is there. It is like so... <sighs> I just wish I had like so much more time because I think with, you know, I feel like the, the way with Power of Women has always been is like, you know, I'm not going to rush anything. If I miss out, I miss out. But Power of Women is going to be known for quality. Um, and I was just like, I am not ready to like set up a shop yet. I'm not ready for all of that. I'm going to make sure it's good because, you know, 
This is the thing. User experience is really important. I think like um, historically people buy lots of stuff online post COVID. And I think, you know, making sure that people feel secure, people have that experience minting, um, you know, I think is really important, which is why we always, you know, were so concerned about where is our collection? Is it confusing? You know, we we release stuff on Foundation, we release stuff on OpenSea, but we haven't done anything else on other marketplaces just because we want to make sure that people don't come into the power of women and get confused by the multitude of platforms or marketplaces. We've got enough collections as it is. We've got loads and there'll be loads more coming, but you don't want to confuse people or make people feel like they've got to do 10 pages of research just to understand who we are. So user experience is really important because, you know, I think, you know, you're absolutely correct. You know, there's so many barriers to entry, but also women are historically late to the game in every sort of sort of technical, you know, any sort of new technology, new revolution, new, new, whatever women are always late to the game. And we are always the ones with less money to spend or less time to, to spend that, you know, to spend their money, um, because of everything that we've got to do. And I think, you know, making it as simple as possible is, is the best way to make everything as accessible as possible. You know, if you don't have to spend 10 minutes worrying about whether your ETH is safe, that is just another way that you can make it more accessible to someone who is, you know, new to cryptocurrency or new to whatever. Um, so yeah, we're really looking, you know, we're really working towards, you know, next to include fiat money as well, because there are actually um, a few people within the community who are not actually, you know, Web3 enthusiasts. They're actually just power of women <laughs> enthusiasts. Wait a second. Who are they? No, I don't know. <laughs> They're, I don't know. There's a couple of people, especially on Twitter, who are really vocal about how much they love Power of Women artwork, but they don't own a cryptocurrency, you know, a crypto wallet. They don't, you know, they don't have any NFTs, but they want to buy a Power of Women digital illustration. And so, you know, I think it's really important, you know, with the way that like big brands are now calling it digital assets or digital artworks, you know, that we actually, and, and now OpenSea allowing, you know, fiat currency, you know, to, to purchase with fiat currency that, you know, actually we start thinking about <laughs> people who don't have a crypto wallet yet. And then, you know, slowly get them to the, uh, to the other side, <laughs> to the dark, dark side. Yeah. I'm, I think having confidence in the web, web three structures, I guess how you put it, uh, you know, eventually will open things up and leads to, uh, Leads to just people being more like comfortable and confident and communicating with the team, you know. And I think that leads to people getting to know you and being confident in you as a founder and an artist. Um, but you know, we all go through our own you know journeys, so to speak, in this Web three space. But you know, you have um, a really positive air of confidence about you. And I've told this story before, so I don't mind just quickly telling it again. When when we met in London, you, know, you and I were chatting a little bit and I was telling you about how important it was for me for if people put their ETH and faith into a, a project or a brand that they were going to you know, be, be happy or satisfied and that we will be able to fulfill our missions. And you know, I think that you 
kind of almost like instilled in me that the right people will come to to mint. Like you never know ahead of time who's going to mint, you know, your NFT project. But just recently I put out a community survey and like the number one reasons anybody wanted to be a part of the journey NFT was because of the other people who minted the journey NFT. And of course, you know, supporting our grant fund. So you just never know ahead of time. And like lower on the list was people wanting to claim merch or wanting to go to real life events. But at that time when we were chatting, I remember telling you like, everyone's asking, right? What's the utility? What's the utility? And you looked at me and you, in my, in my memory of this, you put your arms on my shoulders and shook me. <laughs> I don't know if that really happened, but you said, Travi, my art is the utility. And like in that you were like the right people will come the right people will support this project because that's those are the people like that's my people and the same will happen for you and and you really kind of like shook the imposter syndrome out of me so to speak and and maybe how you said it uh, or maybe the i don't know the hungoverness or what are we calling it vulnerable <laughs> vulnerability, vulnerability? <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe it was the vulnerability but you know even even before that, let's let's kind of go back in time. Let's talk about the power of women. I mean, clearly staying true to your why has helped to push forward this freight train of what the power of women, you know, has turned out to be. But who was Leah before this? Like clearly, you know, the art is beautiful. Um, even it's generating something like that. I know it's not easy. So there's there's a lot of hard work. This is just my way of saying you're a better artist than I am. But, <laughs> but where where's where did Leah start? How did all this uh, come about with the power of women? Yeah, interesting question. Yeah. Um I sort of I um I had always been into art um but I somehow fell into theater and I think it was because I had um a really cool drama teacher at school. Um but I fell into theater. I ended up becoming um a set and costume designer. I essentially anything that someone said they needed, I was just like, yeah, I can do it. And then researched it afterwards. So I ended up doing a multitude of things. I, you know, like my jobs were like, you know, um, costumes for the circus, prop making. I like, I, I painted a ceiling once, <laughs> um, a theater ceiling. I was a scenic artist, props, video. Um, I started doing a bit of animation. I just did anything possible, but the one thing for me was um, that I found difficult was the fact that um, that I just ended up living my life facilitating someone else's ideas and dreams. As a you know a designer, you always have to fill a brief, and that brief was always created by the director or the producer. Um, and you know, you know there are you know there are many successful people in the industry. But the part of the industry that I found myself in was very saturated um, and I didn't earn very much. Um, I ended up, you know, as a freelancer, if you consider all the jobs, all the sort of downtime of not having work and living off baked beans, um, I was living minimum wage. And, you know, I just was a slave to the fact that any time that I did spend, it was spending it in theatre um, earning very, very little and, and not doing that much else. Um, so when the pandemic hit, me and my friends, we lost our work overnight, like literally that, you know, six months worth of work planned. Some of us not so far ahead, all lost within like an evening, which was really, really incredible um, and just quite scary as well. 
Um, and so I just tried to find a way to be creative. So a group of friends, um, a lot of them were actors. They were writing plays. They were doing monologues. They were filming themselves. I was illustrating. And I went, oh, my gosh, this is great. <laughs> I actually love this more than theatre. <laughs> um, and then I soon discovered that what I love to draw were women. Um, so uh, during the pandemic, um, George Floyd was murdered in the US. And that basically had massive waves into the UK because there were quite a lot of people here who thought, well, you know, we're not, you know, that's not, you know, we're better than the, you know, that that wouldn't happen here. And then there was a whole wave of communities going, um, if you think you're better than, than the US, you're not, you know, there is a huge, huge issue here as well in terms of representation, in terms of unconscious bias, in terms of, there was just so much that needed to talk about. And finally, people were listening and people were talking about it. And they were talking about it on the radio. They were talking about it on TV. And finally, it was having the platform it deserved. And I find I was looking at the artworks that I was doing and it and I was drawing women. Um, and I was looking at the women that I was drawing when I was a child. Um, and I was like, well, why am I drawing white women and not you know, women that looked like my mum, who's Malaysian and obviously not white. Um, and I was like, you know, even as a child, I was having that unconscious bias. And I was like, this is not good enough. We're now in a society that is saying, this is not good enough. We need representation. We need to view people as equal, regardless of gender, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of anything. And so I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to embody this new change, then my art has to represent everyone, everyone. <laughs> and so it was, you know, very early on in my sort of like discovery of illustration, I was just like, you know, this is my way of, you know, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a, a big voice, but I have my art and I can do my best to represent people. And I can't, you know, at the time we were in lockdown that, you know, uh, we couldn't go out. It was not really safe to sort of um, march. Um, I didn't feel safe to march, but I could do this. And I was going to be really loud about it. And I was going to make sure that I fought my unconscious bias and made sure I represent everyone. And so that was my illustration. <laughs> and that was how really Power of Women was born. Power of Women, the term came from the fact that um, I did an, a, like a sort of Shoreditch illustration. There was a sort of mural at the back that said power of. And I was just like, well, I'm going to put women on the sweater. And I was like, hey, that's a great name. So um, power of women was like really an accidental brainwave. Um, and, you know, I was just trying to sell on Etsy, doing commissions, had no impact, not in any of the same way that my impact is in Web3. Like, if anything, I was just selling a few prints and doing commissions. And but I was dedicated to draw diverse ethnicities. I was, you know, at, regardless of you know whether I sold those prints or not, I was going to do it and I was going to post about them. Um, and then my husband, who was in theatre as well, he was in the entertainment industry as well. He um, changed careers the same time I did. Became a firefighter, trained for however many months got into a watch and the watch that he was in were like crypto and NFT fanatics <laughs> who 
kept on talking about cryptocurrency, talking about NFTs. And so Jack was just like, well, I've got to do research, right, to basically um, be able to have banter with these uh, these guys. <laughs> so he did a little bit of research. And then when he had, like, when he started getting to know them a little bit more, he started to show my artworks to them. And of course, my artworks are all very female, empowered, very, you know, feminine, very loud and colorful and stuff. And it was just a really funny moment of like him showing them on his phone and all these like male burly firefighters like, yeah, I'd buy that as an NFT. (laughs) And so that's sort of where um, really Jack and I had the confidence to sell our artworks as NFTs. We were like, you know, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't. I don't know what I I don't wouldn't call myself incredibly successful as an illustrator pre web three, and so we were like, well, we have nothing to lose. We're just going to use some artworks that we haven't sold as prints or whatever, sell them as NFTs and see what happens. Um, price them at what we thought a print would cost, <laughs> which is not how you do it in web three at all, um, and like just didn't believe our eyes that it sold in three hours after two weeks of shilling. (laughs) Um, Not that we knew what shilling was, but we were sort of like, you know, trying to shill. Um, And and it just got snapped up. Um, And we were just so flabbergasted. And I just couldn't believe that within that three hours or that two weeks of work that I'd made more money than I ever did on Etsy in that entire year in (laughs) pandemic lockdown. I mean, it was just, it was just really incredible. And it was just incredibly empowering as an artist. But I think, you know, in terms of like, you know, who I was before, I think the, I am loud because I feel like society needs to be loud because we haven't done enough for marginalized groups within our community. But I am also loud about art because I have lived my life with mental health issues and anxiety because I have always felt like I was a slave to someone else's creative ideas. Power of Women for the first time is me taking charge of my own creative process and saying, this is who I am as an artist, as a founder, this is who I am you know, trying to sell my art the way that I want to, I'm not going to compromise with, you know, anything that I do. If you are interested, you are super welcome. If you're not, (laughs) there are other communities out there. But Power of Women is like an embodiment of me feeling empowered as a woman and an artist, but also me wanting to make sure that we try better and we try to do better. So I think that was a very long way to explain my story getting here. Um, no, 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 it was great. It was great. No, that was, that was perfect. So, you know, as a, as a female founder in the space, I think you know, that, that was kind of a thing I, I feel like right now, uh, hopefully we're getting away from, you know, sectioning off, you know, female versus male or any of this stuff. I think everybody deserves uh, a seat at the table, especially um, the awesome women and, and the founders. But we definitely saw a lot of projects just come and go and you know i i started even collecting um to to get some of the female-led or female pfp things uh for my daughters you know as babies it was in my mind would have been cool for them to look back and have something uh for when they you know get older and look back on a sign of the times and all that stuff and i really do hope that so many of them are still here but what do you think it is what do you think it's been about you know the power of women that's really kind of given us some of the longevity some of the support when we've seen a lot of 
companies come, maybe take a little bit of a pause, a breather during this crazy market, you know, especially now with secondary royalties are just not a thing really to a lot of people anymore. It's, it's kind of sad looking at it that way. But what do you think the big difference has been for you and Power of Women? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a great sort of observation to make. I think um, I was sort of in the midst of the bull market looking at all these PFPs that were selling out. And I was just like, okay, great. You've sold out. You've got all of this money coming into the bank. But then what? You know, what? Like, what's happening? You know, um, and a lot of people were running it like a business. You know, the art was the front for their business. But it was just like, well, what's the business plan for the next two years? How are you going to keep on, you know, engaging your community, keep on getting revenue into that business and continue on? And what and, and you've created a community based on the hype of these artworks. But then once you see these artworks, that's it. You know, like what comes after? Um, I think the reason why Power of Women has easily been so different was the fact that, you know, it isn't a PFP project. You know, there is, I will always create artworks. It would always change over time. My, the face of who I am changes over time. Um, you know, uh, there are amazing projects out there that were like moments in time that I think were so monumental. For example, Boss Beauties with the, you know, having all these different occupations on women. That was such a monumental moment. But, you know, in the Web3, it runs so much quicker than in real life. <laughs> and within six months, you know, that is already dated. It was amazing at that time. But, you know, if you were to drop that again, would it have the same impact? I don't know. And I think this is why Power of Women is so good, because, we have always been an artist project and art changes and reflects the community at that time. It is a cross-section of our community, how we are feeling as people, you know, reflecting on economy, of politics, anything, it, on sense of self, mental health, it can be anything. And I think that's why Power of Woman is so brilliant because we are, you know, empowering women um but it's also you know like it's about empowering everyone it's not power of women is not about you know empowering just women it's about going i want something fairer for everyone and that is broad enough but powerful enough to encompass whichever direction that we go to and you know where other projects like you know um that are sort of pfp project based they are defined by their collection and it's like well you know, that collection, will it have the same relevance it does in 12 months time, in three years time? Will it, you know, um, Bored Ape is, you know, must be the most well-known sort of PFP project out there. And it's great, but they're thinking about brand. They are saying that now they're a music brand. Now they're this, now they're that. They are trying to find a way for them to stay relevant moving on, whether you like them or not or whatever, you know, um, but there are projects out there who have, you know, wanted to make a change. And it's like, OK, I know that you have a really strong mission, but how relevant is that mission six down, you know, six months down the line? And I think for us, you know, Power of Women has not ever been about one subject matter. It's not about just about ethnicity and race. It's not just about, you know, 
we're here to amplify underrepresented stories. There will always be underrepresented stories because the world is not fair. Um, but we want to make it as fair as we can. We want to shout about everything as much as we can so we can pivot and we can change. Um, the One of the other things that I think why Power of Women is so different is that, you know, um, is that we have seen sort of PFP projects sort of maybe dwindle, like maybe the perception of PFPs have certainly changed since bull market to now. Um, the thing that is really popular now is, you know, one-to-one artists, because you can always, you can see their journey change. They can change, they can change their styles. They can change sort of how they release artworks. And you're still excited because you are invested in them as humans and as creatives. You want to know what's coming out of their brain. You want to know what's coming out of their brain six months ago. You want to know what's coming out of their brain now and in the future. And that is the dexterity of being an artist that I don't think PFP projects have. And I think that's why artists have made it into the long run. You know, I feel like PFP projects may come, may go. Generative, you know, PFPs may come, may go. But artists, they will stay because there will always be interesting ideas that no one else has come up with. There'll be interesting interpretations that people always get excited about. And I think that's why Power of Women has the longevity that others don't, because at the heart of Power of Women, I am an artist trying to sell my art. I am reflecting on everything that I'm seeing at the moment and I can create a collection next month for something that has happened now because I'm reacting to it and people are going, that's relevant. And I think that's the power of being an artist in the space. People believe in other people. And as artists, there is no more authentic thing you can be. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, this is my art. This is who I am. This is how I interpret the world. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? I probably would have given the same answer for what the power of women is. I mean, your community has you know, so many types of people in it. You've got collectors. And I agree about the one-of-one artists. We love to watch their journey. We love to watch them grow. And it's really great to see everybody coming together in your community, the one-of-one artists and, you know, the the art collectors. You know, and even just to take a step back, like to 2021, even early 2022, like a lot of those, you know, even 10K collections that had so many holders, a lot of people got in there for the the short-term, you know, flipping game and that kind of thing. And a lot of those discords have just shut down. A lot of those projects, you know, didn't really have a lot, you know, going for them. We said now, like, what's the utility? But, you know, staying true to what we're doing is really important. But I think for years, you know, your community is just a little bit different. It reminds me a lot of the Avril 15 community, you know, and something that you have going for you that I think is very rare is that, you know, you're not only an artist, you're also head of your your brand as well, along with Jack. And you talked about, you know, how you won that award at NFT NYC. And there's there's not a lot of communities that really feel like a power of women, like the Avril community, like the disco studios. Like there's there's a handful that are like that, that truly seem to support literally one another. And if people out there didn't know of the power of women before, hopefully, you know, this conversation has inspired them to do a little bit of research. Of course, it's all in the show notes and start to understand why it's a little bit more special than some, a little bit different than others. Why I've been hounding Leah since November at NFT London to come on to the podcast. 
I look up to you as a creator. I look up to you as a businesswoman, an artist, a friend in the space, an inspiration for so many of us and a partner with Jack, your husband. So speaking of that, I do have to ask, I know I've kept you for a while, but I do have to ask you this. First, how do you guys work together? I am so envious. My wife would be strangling me saying, get out the door, even if we try to show, because we're both doing real estate stuff too. So if we show a house <laughs> together, it's like, why, did you, why didn't you say this? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't know I was supposed to say this to this guy. Like, why didn't you say it? And then we'll just be like looking at each other like, oh, you knucklehead. All right. So that's question one. I'll ask you the next question after that. Oh, um, yes. I think that's been a big question. Um, how do I work for Jack? I think um, I think the uh, thing that... Um, so, can I tell you a story? <laughs> so um, after the uh, League of Extraordinary Women, we're about to do Women of the Metaverse. And I think Women of the Metaverse collection really took us off into what, you know, who we were in terms of amplifying voices and stories. I remember still we were in a coffee shop um, and I said to Jack, and at this point we weren't married and um, we were like, okay, well, this could be our next big collection or it could be nothing, but we're going to act like it's the next big thing. So this is it. This is how it's going to go. We want a percentage between you and me. If we split up, we're going to percent, this is going to be the percentage of our royalties. Um, and you are not going to get the royalties for any other collections that I create. We went down like this whole like contract that we created. And we basically were like put our relationship at the door and said, this is the agreement. This is what you have bring into this, um, this sort of partnership. This is what I bring into this partnership. We think that this is the split that we should have. This should be reflected in the royalties. And if we were to part ways, this would be what the, the split would look like. And I think a lot of people can't have that conversation with their partners. But I think like Jack and I have always been very blunt about, you know, what we want from our relationship, but also what we want from Power of Women. Um, I think, you know, this has been really important for him because he was the one that pushed me to become Power of Women in Web3. He was the one that got the League of Extraordinary Women, the first Genesis collection on there. So for him, it's an ownership. I think as well, you know, the reason why, you know, not any man can be a co-founder or a partner on Power of Women. I think the reason why, you know, um, we have been so successful because because we're so empathetic but also because Jack is really empathetic to the woman to a woman's story he he understands the sensitivity you know we get dms when when the motherhood collection came we had dms about some really painful stories and you know it takes a really strong man to be able to treat that delicately and with respect and i think this is the thing. The reason why maybe we are respected in the space is because we respect the stories that come in and we respect our community. We respect everyone that we engage with, with the care that they deserve. And I think that's why we've worked so well, because I will always say, you know, this is not good enough. Like we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do that. But then we will always on a daily basis go, are you okay? is this fair? Because, you know, I think what I haven't mentioned to everyone is that he's still a full-time firefighter on top of like being the operations manager of Power of Women. And there is a lot of like admin that comes with Power of Women. There's a lot of people who want to collaborate or they want more information or they want, you know, this and that from us. And it's, it, it, 
getting all of the ducts to line in a row and be really smooth um, requires a lot of work on the back end to have this perception that everything's really easy on the front. And the reason why everything seems really easy on the front is because Jack works furiously at the back and and takes no credit whatsoever. So, you know, I think it's it's we respect each other really well as business partners, but we also respect each other you know, on a relationship wise, I'm not going to lie to you during the midst of Blazing Woman, our relationship got put on the back end. Um, But very, very quickly, we, you know, if we carried on that way, our marriage would have fallen apart quite quickly. But it was really important that we went, hang on, this can't last. Something needs to change. And it's always making sure that we check in with each other going, are we happy? Um, And it's always checking in. Can we do something? You know, the PFP projects that launched in the bull, bull market have teams of like five, 10 people. <laughs> it's just me and Jack running it with Ghosty doing his like dev magic. Um, but, you know, essentially it's me and Jack and it's about, you know, it's not about working longer. It's about working smarter. Um, and so, you know, we're always having to talk to each other and making sure that we're as efficient as possible. We are in the best mental state as possible. So it's, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, I think we have a very, I don't know, special relationship. <laughs> I don't know whether that's the right way to describe it, but we have um, a very honest relationship, both in our business side and our relationship side. So I think that helps. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. Shout out, Jack. Shout out both of you. I think maybe like the secret to the power of women is just being upfront and just being like, you know, I want my split. I want my royalties. Channel your inner Lizzo or like <laughs> your inner Cardi B and just say like, I make money move or, you know, whatever the kids are saying these days. But you're right. Like the, the mental health, the relationships, all of those things are paramount. Those are incredibly important things that so many of us just forget about sometimes. You're definitely a power couple for sure. And props on having the foresight uh, for even thinking that far ahead. I know I would have probably just looked at my wife and been like, it's okay, babe. Everything will be fine. Well, yeah. So last last question I do have to ask you. You mentioned you were in theater, you were in design. Were you on stage? Did you both perform on the stage? No, no. So I, so I, um, I um, went to, um, when I went to university, I did everything. So on stage, off stage, you learn to do everything just so that I think when you leave university, you have a respect for the sort of entire company and you respect each other, which doesn't happen a lot in theatre. I think a lot of theatre people just train in what they do and they don't really understand what other people do in the in the company. Um, so I soon discovered, I thought I was going to be an actress, soon discovered that that's not my thing. <laughs> um, but I think it's really helped me speak publicly. Um, Jack, on the other hand, went straight into stage management. So he... Um, he went to Guildhall, which is a drama school in the UK, learned stage management. His brother was a drummer um, at Guildhall as well. Um, and he went to, um, quite quickly went to become the assistant stage manager at the Royal Opera House in Covent Garden, which is like one of the biggest, well, it's the biggest opera house in the UK. Um, and um one of the most well-paid jobs in theatre <laughs> and opera. Um, but then he went to move to the commercial side, which is what we call the dark side. <laughs> um, he went into entertainment, working for a Japanese company, doing film with live orchestra. So, you know, those um, shows where all the light, the music is played live with an orchestra. That's what he used to sort of like 
um, manage. Uh, so basically trying to make everything happen from conception to, to, to you know, whatever. And, and those toured internationally. So I am very, very lucky that I have um, got one of the best project managers, I think, that have ever existed, <laughs> um, which means that Power of Women can run really, really smoothly. Um, um, and I do feel like I do take him for granted quite a lot of times. But um, I, I think, you know, we've got a very um, high standard. So we do, you know, everything that we do, we try and run as well as we can. He's never been on stage. I have, I'd like to forget about it very, very quick. <laughs> um, now, if you would like to find me on stage, I'll be speaking on panels. <laughs> um, so will you be at NFT NYC this year? Well, I'm really hoping. I got accepted. I got accepted. So um, fingers crossed I can, I, can get, I can get flights and tickets and everything. So um, it's looking good. <laughs> I believe in you. I believe in you. You could do this. <laughs> You got this. Um, if you do make it, do you know if you would be throwing your own uh, Power of Women party like you did in London? Or do you think that you would or you could just come to one of the parties if I'm throwing one? Oh, well, if you're throwing a party, yes, I'm definitely get it, going there. Um, I don't know yet. I think um, it was interesting. Uh, I mean, Travi, I don't know whether you went to NFT NYC last year. But it felt like we were in the start of a global recession, <laughs> a start of a bear market, and um, everyone was throwing yacht, par yacht parties and penthouse parties, and it felt very odd and bizarre. Um, I didn't hold any Power of Women stuff um, parties or, or get-togethers because I just didn't think that anyone would be interested. <laughs> I didn't think I had that much of a big community at the time. Um, but you know, I think in true power of women fashion, if there was ever a meetup like we did in London, I think it would be a little bit more down to earth and a drink at the pub or a bar or something. <laughs> um, I don't know if, um, a yacht party is quite my style and also affordable. <laughs> No, yours was yours was perfect. I know I had some friends that were there. We had we had the speaker dinner that night. And I, I had planned to go to both uh, your event and also the speaker dinner. But when you're walking from place to place, it's a, it's a little tricky. But we did get to hang in uh, the any the Avril meetup too at the yeah. pub. I feel like was like right on brand as well. It wasn't too too much, but it's very Nathan, um, wasn't it? Very. Um, it was. Yeah, let's have a drink. Yeah. At the pub. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Here and I still I still have on my phone here the Oh I love you it. You see that? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. the name tag, the Avril <laughs> Avril fifteen name tag. And I got Kate's sticker on there too. Oh amazing. Um so I'll have to get some power of women stuff to put on there. But um listen, I've I've loved every second of this conversation. Um I think that I could just like I the, the thing the problem I feel like at NFT London, I once we once we started chatting, I felt like I was tagging along like every place you were going because it was just like knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. And, and you'd be like, oh, I have to go. I'm going to go see this, watch this panel. I was can I go with you? And I'd sit there and, and then like, and I just felt like, man, this girl definitely thinks like I'm, I'm like her little puppy dog or something. But the value, the value in, in chatting with you, just like the value of this conversation, I feel like, you know, speaks volumes and stuff. So I got it. I can't let you out of here without telling us your favorite sonnet. No, I'm just kidding. Don't have to do that. I wouldn't know what to say. <laughs> in iambic pentameter. 
Uh, clueless. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, Leah, Power Women, awesome to have you on Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. If there's anything that we haven't covered that you would like people out there to know, you could spit that hot fire to them right now. Oh, well, um, I can't tell you anything apart from something is happening on International Women's Day and it's big. It is big. Um, but I'm not allowed to say anything yet. But it, but but watch out. It's going to be good. That is some exciting stuff. Sorry there about the sound for a second. This system is a little crazy. But um, yeah, we're going to have everything for you in the show notes. You can follow Leah and Jack with the power of women. You can gear up for International Women's Day and see what secrets Leah has in store, unless she wants to share some right now. No, Leah, you don't have to do that. I'm just kidding. And you can follow everything in the show notes. Please make sure that you support Leah and Jack and the power of women and give them a shout next time they're at your local NFT conference in hopefully New York. So Leah, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi today. Travi, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute honor. So good. Hi, I'm Leah from Power of Women and I'm Fired Up with Travi. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I had to put her laughing one more time. I mean, if that doesn't brighten up your day, I don't know what will. Leah, Jack, Power of Women, thank you so much for being here and fired up on the blockchain with Travi. We did cover a lot today. And in the world of art and NFTs, we have to look. We have to look around the space and say, who are the people we want to be surrounded by? And if you pop into the Power of Women Discord, you pop into the Disco Studios Discord, you pop into the Avril 15 Discord, you are going to see a lot of the same people, a lot of the same really good people. So everything, again, as I said, is in the show notes and don't forget too if you haven't done so yet and you would like to still pick up your unstoppable domain and develop your digital identity there's a link in there for you that's my friends and dgens and family link and that's right there for you You can click on in there and uh, go see what you can get before they're all gone but also cool thing to remember there's no renewal fees if you pick yours up so that's really awesome on the next episode, by the next episode, the journey Alpha Mint will be closed. I will be uh, giving a salute to some of the earliest holders on the next episode. So I'm going to be really excited to share uh, some of who they are with you in case you uh, thought I was just uh, <laughs> thought I was just saying it. Um, no, it's on the blockchain. It's stamped. You can see who the, who the holders are. Um, great people. Very, very excited to be continuing this journey. This, we haven't even really taken our first steps yet. So um, thank you, everybody, for staying with us in this crazy, mixed-up, kind of nerdy, kind of cool, brand-new world of NFTs and Web3. As we're officially closer to Episode 100 than we are to Episode 1. And let's keep doing our thing. We're uh, a few weeks away from NFT NYC. I hope I see you there. I hope I meet you there. Always come by and say hi. Follow me on Twitter at Mr. Travis, though, M-R-T-R-A-V-I-S-T-H-O. Let's keep doing what we do best, and that's bring one love to Web3. I'll catch you next time. Peace.